Hey there, treasure hunters. If you enjoy what the Ironbound Chest does, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Doing so helps to spread the wealth inside of the Ironbound Chest to other listeners, adventurers, and fellow treasure hunters. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Avayath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us. You're listening to The Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is imagination. And today, I'm sitting down with Patch from Discount Dungeons. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by Patch, who plays a two-deck from Discount Dungeons. Hey guys, how you doing? As I was saying before we started recording, it is wonderful every time I get to speak with someone new about, you know, D&D or tabletop role-playing games from the community. So, as I mentioned to you online on Twitter, I have a monthly topic, and this month's topic is Imagination. And it's pretty much all about how we, the players, the GMs, the DMs, anyone, how we perceive the games we play through our mind's eye. Uh, before we get into that, though, I really want to know, how are you doing this week? Uh, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, at the time of our recording, uh, it is July 14th, uh, so I'm just subtly dropping. That is my birthday tomorrow, so I have been in a good mood for this whole week. Good. Uh, I'm just... It's 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 going to be great. Good. Well, happy belated, or actually not belated, happy early birthday. <laughs> and I really hope that uh, by the time this airs, people already know that it's your birthday. But if not, then send. I hope that they send you a belated birthday. So I have a golden question that I ask all of my guests. What do you treasure most about D&D or other tabletop role-playing games? So I'm going to loop this back to, to the topic uh, with the imagination. My absolute favorite thing about any kind of TTRPG, D&D, Shadowrun, Call of Cthulhu, I'm just throwing out ones that I've played, Those that idea that you can immerse yourself in a character, you can be completely lost in it, and you can create a story of your own is one of the most exciting and most exhilarating things that I've, I've found in my life. It's just a complete and utter joy to get lost in a character. Oh my God, I know. Just to like have that deep dive into uh, almost like another mind almost of, I wouldn't say existence, but just it's almost like another sense of reality in the way I feel like it is. Just like 
I don't know. It, there's just something magical about it that is is really pulls people into games like this. It to me, it's that idea of that you're almost like tapping into a different a part of you that you never really show all that often. I, in my case, at least, I know for me, D and D was an escape. Uh, it was that whole you're you know that that nerdy mindset. You know, you're nerdy. You really you shouldn't be liking the things that are nerdy. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, before Marvel became a big thing, before, you know, Critical Role became huge, all those, it was still lame in a sense. I'm using air quotes here, but being able to just not have to worry about any of that. I don't, I don't have to worry about being, being patched. I don't have to worry about like what people are going to think of me right now. I am a two deck. I am Zagon. <laughs> I am whoever I am right now. And yeah. what matters is what i'm doing right now that is a complete and utter joy for me i love that like like we said you know just like losing yourself in that is is something that i think people want to do because either that sense of maybe either not belonging or not fitting in and having something like dungeons and dragons where you have that escapism out of yourself and into a character who you may be more comfortable with, I think is something that is a really interesting facet of tabletop role-playing games that, you know I mean? They are, you are playing a role and that role that you, you embody may sometimes be more comfortable than your real life sometimes. So one of the things I have found really interesting is the seeing a lot of times that I've seen when characters when people progress through their different characters mm -hmm. that a lot of times they kind of hit facets of themselves. And then as it progresses, they not that become more outlandish. They just become more unique and away from what they are. When I started out, my first character was pretty much me, but I can do magic. Like yeah. that, that was, and, and maybe it was because, you know, first time playing, it's easy for me to just be like, Oh yeah, this is, these are things that I would do. Yeah, with with the two deck that I'm playing now, like there are, there are a bunch of times that you'll even like hear it on the show, and I'll just sit there and go like, I know I don't want to do this, like me personally, <laughs> but this is like this is the way the character's mindset has been leading up to this. So, yeah. in, like, it, I find that that very interesting. That mo those moments of just like I don't know if you want to call it like opposition frisson like whatever you want to call it where you're just you're sitting there going like this is completely different from what i expected oh and yeah for me a lot of times it's i love it oh yeah yeah because it's a lot of times it's it's so far apart like i said with what you may be capable of doing in your in your normal everyday life or maybe something that you are maybe normally uncomfortable with doing and, and a game that allows you to step away from your real self gives you so many opportunities to explore so many different facets of, I would say of life almost, but also, you know, new experiences and, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. No, that's I, I, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to think cause it, you know, I think a lot of times the characters that I play, are my my mindset on a specific issue at the time almost if that makes sense or something that's like been on my mind for a while mm -hmm. um like it, it's it's funny like for me almost like looking back on it more and more the tudak is is a paladin but his his past is that he was he was 
born and raised into what can essentially be a cult, like a religious cult. They had they had a specific mindset. This is like this is how we do things, and a very warfaring group, and they left him to die, like on the battlefield. So it's it's him grappling with that. Like this is the way I was raised, but now like my eyes are being opened up and yeah. for me like i like kind of looking back on it, it's kind of like wow this is like my upbringing was a certain way and once i got to college and started like going out like into the world my eyes opened up and things yeah. were are very different so i i've i find that characters a lot of times can be a way for you to almost address or not come to terms with but mm-hmm. you know kind of help understand the way you're feeling about certain things. I think, I think the way you're saying it is, is almost, it is almost as though you're getting a different perspective through another's eyes that are different than your own, you know, but, but you are still that character, but then it, it's great because, you know, you have uh, not only you creating these different moments of, of perspective, but you also have the the friends around you at your table in your group, and you also have the the dungeon master or game master who is you know the master of this world. But they are in a way um, leading you through these moments and these these experiences that can honestly expand your mind outside of the table. And and it's just something that is it's so fascinating to me that a, a game a simple well, maybe it's a simple game, but a game like D&D can be so opening and freeing to people. It's just great. That That's one of the things whenever I, I, I don't get to do this very often, but whenever someone kind of asks me, it's like, well, what do you like about D&D? My first thing is like, you can be whoever you want to be. And that's, oh, absolutely. and that's like, for me, that's always a big selling point. Like you can, you can be, you can be the, the person who is, it's me, but I have a sword. Or I'm going to be, you know, a, a giant bird that's, you know, <laughs> that talks and wants to become a chef. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be just about anything. What is the first image that forms in your mind when you think of D&D? Like the first thing that comes in your mind when, when someone says, Dungeons and Dragons. What do you first think of? So... The first thing that I honestly think of is you have, and now I get to I get to like wax poetic because this is this is tapping into my imaginative juices. Do it. Uh, so we've got you've got a large battlefield, you know, before the battle has started. It's it's like a grassy kind of knoll, and you've got on one side you've got this this approaching group of adventurers. You've got you know the traditional mage and the long flowing robes and the, the white beard and the hat. You have the, the fighter who's got the gleaming sword at the ready. Uh, you've got, you know, the, the cleric, you know, who's, who's almost slinging the bags full of like medicine and, and the books and everything. But they've got the mace at the side, ready to, ready to jump in at a moment's notice and all those kind of things. And, and you, you can see the determination in their eyes of we are heading for an adventure that is something that could absolutely wreck us. But <laughs> at the end of the day, our story is going to be told through the ages. That 
that's the kind of thing that I think of when I think of D and D. Dude, that's the whole time you're describing that. I'm like, oh yeah, it's getting me so pumped up. Oh my god! <laughs> and I think the best part is that you don't know what's on the other side of the knoll. It could be, yeah. it could be a group of kobolds. It could be two dragons. It could be a god. You know, you're not gonna know until you get there. Dude, that's such a good scene, though. Like that epic battle scene where you. I think most people want that kind of that experience, maybe I'll say, mm-hmm. or like that scene in, in gaming to where it's like, this is epic. This is the epitome of, of adventure and heroism and courage that like really rings throughout my mind and my imagination when it just, it just, it's just making me so pumped. Like I want to go play D and D now. <laughs> and and, and I'll, I'll tell you what's funny is, I personally, if I'm playing a and d game, I could care less about scenes like that. My favorite really? scene, yeah, my favorite scenes are the ones where everyone's sitting in a tavern. You hear the bustle of the crowd. You can smell the beer as it, like, wafts up. You know, you could probably hear, like, two guys ready to fight. But it's all of you. It's all of you sitting around a table, cracking jokes discussing plans you know you got the bard in the corner doing whatever the bard wants to do because you know you're not going to be able to stop him but (laughs) but like that where that the the role play where you get to every word that you're saying suddenly has a lot of weight because everything that you say is now etched you know a battle the battle is is one thing yeah you're going to swipe the sword a few times you know something's going to die like yeah. your words carry a lot of meaning. And I find that those are some of the, the greatest, most interesting moments for me. Yeah. Those very atmospheric moments where, like you said, it is the dungeon master setting that scene to where, like you perfectly said, combats, you know, fine and dandy and all, but like, you're going to have a lot of probably combats in your adventuring days, you know, mm-hmm. as a player and whatnot, but it's those, those very wonderful atmospheres where it's it's just kind of a relaxing moment or maybe it's not a relaxing moment you know it could be a very tense role-playing moment you know but it does i think those as well stick just as much in the imagination as the the epic battles do because you can have a lot of touching meaningful moments during those downtimes and those atmospheres of of you know role-playing and stuff that that can probably carry a lot more weight than a battle might so I actually, because cause we're talking about this, I'm thinking of two specific moments in the Discount Dungeons, like, on the show so far. Oh, please share. Uh, they're, they're back-to-back episodes, and it's it's a, a balance between the two things that we're talking about, battle versus, uh, you know, discussion or roleplay. Yeah. So the first one is episode six. I'm glad that I can still remember these. We're... <laughs> We're in the city. We're trying to find uh, some some people who have gone missing. Meanwhile, the city is currently being racked by a virus that is like spreading through. And w- I swear, we started recording this before the world went into lockdown. Do not blame <laughs> us. This was, <laughs> but uh, so we're we're looking and we go into a bar and there is basically Fight Club going on. Oh wow! And I play an Oath of Conquest paladin. I live to fight. Oh yeah. So I go, I go up and I'm like, all right. I, I basically just, I'm waiting for them to, so I'm like, I'll wait for them to finish and I'll jump in for the next guy. And they go, I go, I got next. 
And the two guys who are fighting just stop, turn, and go, well, next starts now, and they both punch me. Oh, no! And then I find out that they're both monks. Oh, my God, no. I probably got knocked out about five times during that fight. Oh, jeez. Thank thank God I had a bard behind me who just, like, kept healing me back up. But... (laughs) But at the end, it, it was it was turning out to be like a real rocky kind of moment where I just I kept going down. I'm not I'm not going out. I'm not out. I'm not out. I kept getting back up, and then finally at the end, you know, knock out the second one, and I'm just like this. This is like a crowning moment where I just took these two guys on, laid them out, and it it was awesome because the yeah, I mean it goes like the bar is cheering they're chanting your name oh, you know man. And, and people are tossing like the guy tosses an ale into your hand great I chug it you know <laughs> I, I you get so wrapped up into moments like that oh so, yeah, yeah fights like that are amazing but my favorite was the following episode we you know go back to the the inn that we're staying at and we have a character, her name is Stacy, and Stacy is very childlike. And and that's the way she's being played. Uh and she wanted a bedtime story. That's cute. Yeah. No, I totally didn't plan this out ahead of time, else I swear. <laughs> uh but one of the things that I had said to the DM beforehand is, you know, uh, an episode or so before is I wanted to find a specific children's book. Uh, because, and, and I, so I go out, like, I have a story to read. I go, I sit down and I open, I pull out the book and I go, I explain like, this is a book that I was raised, like when I was raised in the order, this is the story that they would read to us. Like this is, and it was a story like about the gods that, that we worship. So I start telling the story and go bit by bit and I get really into it and everything. Uh, and and everyone you know thinks it's great. I had a very rough outline from the DM as to what the the contents of the story were. The entire thing is completely improvised. Whoa. The story itself. Yep. And my my favorite part is that at the end, like you know, he finishes the story. He gets kind of choked up, and I was getting like a little choked up, just like getting nervous and everything. Oh yeah. But so so I'm like, he, he leaves the book there. He gets up and he walks out. And he goes back to like his room and they go to look at the book and I, I and the D, like, you know, DMs are just like, let me, let me get this. You look through and you see like the art is beautiful and it and everything, but you see that he's written notes in the entire book. Like he's oh, writing wow. all these things referencing the gods, because if you look at the text itself, there is no mention of the gods. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was just a children's story. So oh, I, I love it. So, so, so just that whole idea that like, and I even had said like one point downtime, like he is writing in this book. He is like making notes and everything. Just this isn't right. This is what, like, this is the way that it should be. Yeah. So just that, that, that is one of my favorite moments I'll ever have in a game. And that just where I could let my imagination run wild. I could let the story just flow out the way that I wanted it to. And then have that moment of just you thought like everyone thought they kind of knew what was going on, but there was oh, a little bit of a swerve at the end. Uh, I love I I it's it, that's got me just about as pumped as whenever you were talking about that battle scene because I love those 
times whenever the players can just go off by you know just your just your own imagination of saying like well i i can get into my character enough to talk about it for 10 minutes or however long you know mm-hmm. it's so good because uh and again like we we were talking about it, i think because a lot of times people may have their characters as as uh somewhat of an extension of their self and whether or not maybe some people know it i think they put more into characters than they might think or at least characters that mean a lot to them sometimes and it's just i think it's so touching Mm. so so if you'll indulge me i just want to flip the script on you for a quick second because i have a question that i i like asking this question to people and i want to see what your viewpoint is on it yeah when you're creating a character Mm -hmm. do you what do you start with do you start with I'm going to play a human fighter or is it, I'm going to play, you know, I want to do a ranger. I don't know the rest. Or is it, I want to do a, uh, like the backstory. I want to do a character that's dealing with this. Hmm. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get a lot of opportunities to make characters. <laughs> uh, however, I, I have made a few um, because I have the forever DM syndrome, Yep. but I've, I've had, uh, few opportunities, which I really do cherish, to be a be a player. Now, when it comes to me to create characters, and I'll say even even if it's maybe like an NPC of a campaign that I want to add into, mm-hmm. um, I will do this more often than not. But I I whenever I'm formulating characters, I think I try to fifty fifty. I try to uh, subvert, do like a subversion of expectations in, in a ways, mm-hmm. because I I think that it's fun, you know, and I also think that it's maybe a little bit important to not to stick to so much stereotypes a lot, you know, especially in the world we live in right now, where it's you know it's a huge point of contention. Um, but I just I just like that. And the other fifty percent is thinking of what just would be fun in my eyes to that I would have the most enjoyment out of. So for an example, uh, I talked about this. I'm going to talk about this. I talked about this, my previous interview um, with Miss World Adventures. Uh, we were talking about uh, same topic, imagination and things. And I was telling him about a character. I had a concept for to where he was a halfling barbarian. Well, he wasn't your standard you know, oh, he's a, you know, wild halfling or anything in pretty much. He's this very, very soft spoken halfling man. Who's, who's very timid, very shy. And he ends up getting, uh, possessed by one of his ancestral spirits of, of like a long dead ancestor who used to be a huge, like warrior berserker. And the times when he is immediately around danger, or there's that presence of um, of a threat. Uh, that spirit will immediately come into possession of his body and start to rage out and kind of hulk out in a way. And and to me, that's just one. It's a thing of subverting that expectations, but also it just would be really fun to role play that out and to and to see how I could maneuver that character through a world. So I think I think it it's it's about those fifty fifties. 
you know, I ask this a lot, and a lot of people do say a lot of times from what I understand, like, you know, I've wanted to play a, a, a ranger for a while, so I'm playing a ranger. Yeah. For yeah. me, it's always kind of been, all right, what what story do I want to tell? And yeah. that was that was going in with a two deck. I, I was like, I didn't quite know how I wanted to play it and everything, but I was like, I want to, I wanted to be someone who was like a, a warrior that you know, nearly died on the battlefield and was kind of abandoned by the group that he called a family. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, you know, writing a short story. Well, short probably ended up being like five pages or so. Just <laughs> uh, like basically the story of when he nearly died for my, for my backstory. Like I didn't have anything yeah. else fleshed out beyond that, but I knew this is what happens here and this is how he feels. And this is so playing off of that to me is insanely interesting i i would recommend it to anyone anyone if you want to do a new character just write a quick story about the character you can figure it all out after that yeah and that's what something i will do once i've gotten a concept is is then i will go into this story you know because like with my character the halfling barbarian i i did start off as like you know the race and the class but then i was like all right you need a, a purpose. You know, every character I think needs a purpose for why they're on this adventure or why they are the way they are, you know, like, like with anything good, mm -hmm. but definitely I do think I, I go into that, uh, delving into the, a backstory and a reason why, but it's weirdly enough that I don't think about the story immediately. It's, it's often after I have, you know, the class and the race and everything else cemented. Cause it is, this is very weird for me, but like, I often feel like I don't have my own personal stories to tell with, with, you know, characters that I play. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's just for me being a DM and not really getting a chance to play, actually play as a character. Um, like I feel like I should be the, always the one uh, giving the characters plot lines and, and, you know, pulling the strings and everything like that, not to have a God complex, but just because, uh, I don't know. It's, it's that weird, like you're not that I'm in a rut, but it's just like what I do now, you know? So, so it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I had actually, I, I had gotten this kind of a question before in an interview saying, what role do you play in a game? Not like what class or anything like, yeah. Do you have a certain like personality that you kind of go with? And I, I immediately, I was like, Oh, I'm the group dad. <laughs> like I'm the one who makes sure that we're on target, makes sure that we're trying to you know reach the goals and, and kind of keep all the other characters in line because they all have their their wild personalities that they've been itching to play. So it's it's interesting because I'm trying to you know shake it a little bit, um, especially with the two deck. I'm almost trying to shift him toward the group uncle, you know. <laughs> The cool uncle that everyone wants to hang out with. So, yeah. so doing doing the things is like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's going to be fun later. Yeah, I think a paladin fits well into that role of being like a dad or even an uncle. You know, the very protective, you know, fatherly figure. Yeah, I, I found I, because I didn't want to do the. Like rule of the law, judge dread. You know, I am judge, yeah. jury, and executioner. I did not want that. Mm -hmm. I did want like you know, 
I wanted someone who was very confused about what like what he had been through. Yeah. I wanted someone who was trying to find himself, and that mindset has, has I think carried it so, itself over very well. And I think our next few recordings are hopefully gonna like delve into that a lot deeper, especially with one of the guests that we have on. Yeah. Uh, timing on this means that it will he, this character will not have shown up yet, so I can't say anything. Well, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, it's still really great, though. <laughs> it's it's fantastic it's 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 that idea of i i can at least probably say this much it's that idea of yeah you've been abandoned and you like he's under trying to understand he's finding himself more yeah and what happens when the past comes back you could you could probably go on for hours thinking about the the deeper intricacies of of your character especially one that you've been playing for a long time and one that means a lot to you, though. Uh, but it just goes more and more into how uh, how much D&D can really not only tie together your imagination, but like you yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I do want to know, do you have any moments of playing where like the imagination sphere that you are in during playing of what you're doing is ever taken over by a sense of reality? And, and in a way to simplify that, do you ever feel like what is happening is real? Uh, I, I think it's, I will tell you nine times out of 10, when I am in a game, probably more like 99 times out of a hundred. Now that I mention it, <laughs> I'm, I'll be playing in a game. And once, as soon as the game is over, like everything stops, you're done recording and everything. I realize that my heart has been racing the entire time. Because I've become so invested in everything that's going on that I feel like I've been part of it. Yeah. So it's it's you almost that point where you feel like, oh, you've been stabbed in the side. Oh, I feel that now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I will tell you, one of the, the first few episodes, there is a moment where one of the characters, uh, other characters gets possessed and she attacks the closest thing that she can which is me oh, who no. is un- who is unconscious Ooh. so that that moment of there it was a moment where i was sitting there going like i might die right now and i was trying to balance not being angry about it with understanding yeah. that this is this is a story, this is a game. I yeah. understand it's the third episode, but <laughs> <laughs> but if you die, it happens. But it was it's it's very hard to to balance that out sometimes because you do yeah. like if you really do love a character, you get so invested in it that you oh, yeah. feel that strong connection to them. And mm-hmm. I have I feel that with a lot of my characters, I've probably only felt the connection that I have with the two deck with like two other characters that I can think of that I played. That's incredible though. My episode with Tale of the Manticore, he does bring up a good point of it as well. You know, he talks about the same thing because his his experience with it is a bit different because he is a one man show. He's he's the only one rolling the dice and and doing this adventure. But He's not throwing any punches. He is, it's very gritty and very, a very serious tone. And he was explaining 
which I think connects really well to what you said of, he was saying that, you know, if one of these characters dies while he's rolling the dice, like he can't change it. You know, he's, he's made the commitment to honor mm-hmm. what goes on, but he's like, I will be absolutely devastated if one of these characters dies because you do have such of that, you know, uh, creator or, you know, uh, fatherly, motherly, whatever connection, because again, you created them, but also, you know, you are embodying them. And like you said, you know, it, it is very much of, of a moment of like, crap, I, I am mad, although I shouldn't, you know, you have to separate yourself from, you know, imagination and reality. And, and it's a very important thing, which I have seen happen to where that tie between those two is not severed. And, you know, you have an argument at the table or, or someone, you know, lashes out, you know, in some way. And it just, it's moments like that where people can't separate them, where you get a lot of issues, I think. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's going to be very tough when my character dies i we we have a running joke we're trying to figure out you know who's gonna die first and i basically said i'm the idiot who runs into battles there's no chance that i'm not the first one to go yeah but that's gonna be a very very tough pill to swallow oh yeah it's and i agree it's that parental kind of nature of this is you know this is my character this is who i created Mm -hmm. and in the end yeah this is my baby you know this is I have invested so much in this and to see something happen, it, it, it does, it does hurt. And I think, but I think that's one of the the great things about imagination is that if it's, if you've made it strong enough, it it can become so real that it has such a visceral impact on you. Absolutely. I, I really do want to cover in a later month, the topic of emotions and how they play along with a game such as D and D because I think I think many people have seen on things like Critical Role or Dimension Twenty or, or whatever have you big popular D and D shows where you see them having these emotional moments of of real tears, you know, and and other people do it other than them, you know, everyone does it because they have that that bond to this imaginary character that is so real, and I just find that fascinating, and I want to explore that so much with people. Uh, um, I'll tell you, there was there's a moment in one of our later episodes. Uh, it was we're, we were all recording remotely, which is good because I probably would have burst out in tears. Just Aww. another one of the players, just five words, just "Am I a bad person?" Oh the, man! And the delivery on it, the way it was said, and the, the like, the situation that it was is just so heart wrenching. Yeah. That and, and I think again. The, the other thing that makes it so difficult is I can like, you can transport yourself into that situation. Like yeah. even if, even it's just me personally patched, yeah. just like looking on, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I like that. This is what is what I'm, I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how strong, like we've been talking about the connection is to from reality and imagination in a game like D because of moments like that where you know you do feel that you it's you are there in many many ways and you do fully almost believe that this is happening even though it's just in the imagination it's it's all an imaginary game but the fact that 
games like TTRPGs and, and, and you know, not just D&D, but like games like that give you those moments of such fervent realism and just pulls you in so much. And, and what is it? What is that movie? It's a, I think the page master or something like that, where he's like sucked into the, where he's sucked into the books in the library. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, weird mirror of that where it's like, you are sucked into the words coming out of your DM's mouth. You know, like you are, you are transported and it, it just, I, I could just blow my mind in, a million different ways of just thinking about how crazy that is. But what I have found interesting, cause I have a little bit of experience with DMing and GMing, uh, mm-hmm. only a little bit, but the, the amount of med, the, the, I'm not going to, not the amount, not the level. It's the, the viewpoint on the imagination from the different sides of the chair. I find to be extremely interesting because yeah. as a, as a player, you know, you, you've got your story, you've got what you want to do, and then you've got the world that you're putting it all in. But as a DM or, you know, the storyteller, you've got, you've got all their stories, but you've got this world that you're putting everything in and you know how things are going to interact with each other and you know the plot points and everything before they're going to happen. So it's that, and in using that imagination is like, all right, well, I know I want them to go here, yeah. but how's going to be the best way to do that? Well, can I appeal to this person hmm. or maybe do I just, do I just have them like chasing after something or, you know, is it just, Hey, somebody got kidnapped, go get them. You know, just yeah. that, that idea of having a little bit, not control, but having a little bit more of uh, an understanding of yeah. the world in addition to what the characters are, are like and everything, I find that to be incredibly interesting. And that's why I really do want to push to like do DMing again, just yeah. because I want to, I want to feel that again. Yeah, it is. The way you're describing that is absolutely similar to the scene in wizard of Oz where they see the, the man behind the curtain, you know? Yep. It, it is very much that like the the players are Dorothy and her companions. They are in awe of all these marvels and all these uh, terrific things that they are seeing and experiencing. And then you have the man sitting behind the curtain, pulling the levers, pushing the buttons, knowing what's going to happen, even though knowing that what these things he's doing are affecting the the people in so many different ways. Even though, and and as well, what he's doing is is still just as marvelous as the emotions and things that I think the characters are experiencing. But it is that I think it's just very similar to that that notion of, you know, what you're doing is still very magical and very important and imaginative and touching. But you do, you are the the thread master. You're you're connecting dots and everything all the same time in your mind as these emotions and these images are running through everyone's minds, and it's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I have I have a ton of respect for the for the DMs. Like after being in a campaign that is all homebrew and everything oh, of yeah. that nature, is I have a, I my respect for DMs is like just grows by the day. So if you're listening and you have a DM. 
Go give them a hug when you can. Tell them that you appreciate them. And if you are a DM, you are appreciated. You are awesome. And keep doing what you do. Absolutely. I second that. Did you ever have any big hurdles getting into tabletop games as a player? Or even whenever, like you said, you had a, a bit of a experience in DMing. Did you ever have any hurdles getting to that kind of stuff? So I didn't actually really get to start playing until I hit college. Okay. Um, and when I started... Uh, I kind of mentioned that I was interested in the idea, uh, and someone that we knew said, hey, I run a game, uh, and if you'd like, you can join us for a session, and you can see what you think of and everything. And I went, and it was, no joke, the absolute worst game that I've ever played in. <laughs> it was It was just one of those that... Every bad RPG horror trope that you can think of just seemed to be in there. You know, the overpowered DMPC, you know, all all this, every bad thing that you can think of. Before we really, like, I realized that this was ridiculous stuff. I I even knew, I was like, this is not great. (laughs) Um, And and so I was, like, fully discouraged that I thought every game was going to be like that. And thank God that our DM, Chris, uh, who I like was, was there and we were explaining like, you know, this is, this was horrible and everything. And he goes, well, that's cause you didn't play D and D like that was not, that wasn't a game. That was just somebody's, you know, enjoyment at your expense. And he said, and he does have a good point. Abs- absolutely. And, and, and it definitely goes to the old, the old adage, like no D and D is better than bad D and D. I had a very similar experience, like almost to a T. I also, I first really got into D&D and got to play in college. Uh, I've said this on other episodes, but I, I lasted, the the session lasted only half of an actual session would do, maybe like an hour. People were on their phones and stuff, like it just wasn't good. Kyle, if you're listening, I know you tried, man. And I know you tried your best, but it wasn't you. It was everyone else. <laughs> it it just, I wanted to have so much fun because I had such expectations in my mind about what this was going to be and how it was supposed to go. And it didn't go nearly anywhere close to what it should have. Um, and and it, I wouldn't say it turned me off, but it did put that, a it put an idea into my mind of, you know, I might be able to do better than this, but I don't think that I'm ready to, you know? So, and it took me a few years to actually really get in to actually, you know, DMing and stuff like that. So, but it is, it, it is, it is difficult to go from a bad session as your first session into more because you do have that apprehension of being like, oh, you know, I don't want to play D and D because I had, you know, that's what it was like. I don't want to do that. That's not fun. You know? But they that, don't have the full experience of of what D D can be. See that what you're describing actually sounds like the first times that the first campaign that I DM'd. Uh, I I ran a Shadowrun game for people in college, and I went in going like, "All right, this is gonna be great. I've got you know I had the pre generated story and everything. Uh, I I worked with them with the characters and everything, and I went and just like this is gonna be great." And I had the two players who basically just wanted to joke around and do do random crap. I had the yeah. one who wanted everyone to be buddy buddy, and then I had the other ones who were like, "This is Shadowrun. 
Like you can't trust anybody. So I'm not <laughs> going to trust anybody. And I ran myself ragged just trying to balance like all these different personalities. Yeah. And it, it, it ran me raw. Like there were a few times I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like yeah. I'd either end the game early or I'd just be like, I can't, I can't do a session today. And it definitely turned me off from, from DMing like for a yeah. long time. Like just, there was a part of me that was like, I don't think that I can do this. Yeah. Like, I don't think I have the, the strength to do it or anything. And, but now that like we're, we're meeting at a group that the personalities don't really clash. And I have a little bit of experience actually running a game for them. Uh, I've ran a game of dread for them, which was so much fun. And like now I feel a little bit more, more into it, but I still, I like the idea of jumping into a game completely blind. Like I keep saying, I want to run like paranoia or something like that. I have the books. I've never looked at them, but <laughs> I have them, but I just want to go in, go in like, all right, we're all ready to do this. All right. I'm going to read up on everything and then we're all going to figure it out as we go. And we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah, I think that's a very fun way to do things, you know, if you have the right group who you really connect with and things who aren't going to make the experience either dull or just uncomfortable for everyone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you can have so many different uh, variations of people at the table, you know, you could have the edge lords, you can have the rules lawyers, you can have this and that, you know, mm -hmm. but you could still have them as long as everyone, you know, vibes together, as long as everyone's on the same page as to what they want from this imaginary game, you can still have a great time. Exactly. But it seemed like with what you were saying about your, your, you know, your Shadowrun campaign, you know, you had those types of players, but they didn't vibe together. Right. Exactly. It, it was, it was people who called themselves friends, but in the, in the same vein, it was, you know, I was friends with all of them. Right, yeah. That's understandable. Do you think with with playing these types of games, it's important to have like a childlike imagination in, in a way of, you know, being very, almost as if your imagination is very vibrant and is open to a lot of possibilities? See... I'm going to I'm going to say no, but because it's good to have a childlike imagination, but I think a childlike imagination only works if you're going for a campaign or a story that is going to reward that. A childlike imagination is not going to do great in a grim dark campaign. You know. Exactly. It's good point. So, I think I think what's more important rather than a childlike imagination is an open imagination, one where you are willing to adjust on a dime and you know put your mind into the mindset of the world that you're in rather mm -hmm. than just i'm i'm gonna you know do be have the childlike imagination i'm gonna do the things that i think are gonna, gonna be cool yeah and sometimes i get smacked smacked down i mean i mean i've played games that had childlike imaginations i, I played a game that was just literally all barbarians <laughs> and well our, our, our dm was like hey i'm kind of playing like i'm i'm making my own versions of barbarian cleric bar like all these kind of things you want to test yeah. them all out and i was like yeah absolutely so i did uh just a straight barbarian 
dumber than a bag of bricks, could hit about as hard as three bags. <laughs> uh, he used a tree as a weapon, not oh, not cool. like not like a branch. He he ripped the tree out of the ground oh and God, used that. Cool. Uh, he's actually he's one of the the gods that Etudak follows. Oh what? Yeah, so that's that is kind of one of the things about having an open imagination. Because our DM had an open imagination and he had so much fun with these characters, like telling like pushing them around and everything, that he said, They're like in my world they are now canon like gods or demigods, I guess. But and when he said they were, I was like, Well, that I know who I'm praying to. <laughs> that's such a cool example of uh your your dm pulling together different threads of maybe different adventures and campaigns into one cohesive line you know yeah it's really cool I, I i like the idea it's 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 to me it's the idea that your imagination can be rewarded yeah that's yeah. that's i think a great way to, to think of it is we we did wild stuff like we did absolutely ridiculous off the wall stuff. I mean, he threw in the deck of many things, and as a lot of you know, that that normally oh, yeah. ends a campaign, and we had some fun with it. So to to be able to kind of do these kind of things and just have him go, you know what? That was really cool. We're get, like this is this is a canon thing now. What do you feel best fuels your imagination? You talked about rewarding, but what what drives your imagination? Do you like do you go more for movies or books or do you like to just let your mind roam when after you've played a bunch of video games or listen to music? Like what is it that gets your imagination going? So, this is actually really interesting. Uh this actually kind of goes a lot to I'm going to I'm going to dive into some personal stuff for a bit. Sure. Um, the group has been meeting for about a year and a half now. Um, about maybe six months before the group started meeting, I had like a major anxiety attack. Um, and it was around that time that like I started going to therapy and everything, and the group helped out a lot with that. But the reason I'm bringing this all up is because up until I started with Discount Dungeons and, and that whole thing, my escape was creative writing and I went on to, I would go like I'd find writing prompts and I would just write responses to it. And for me, a lot of times just seeing what somebody says, like, Hey, would you like, if you were to write a story about uh, someone who inherits all the wishing wells in the world, (laughs) you know, what would you write? And, and me sitting there going like, well, this is what I'd write, and then I would write it out. So for me, that is a huge, and I've got, I took it from, you know, being an, an outlet and an escape from the things that were stressing me out, and I, I made it into something that, all right, this isn't going to fuel me. This is going to make me, you know, understand myself better. It's going to make me understand, you know, the world better, and it's going to help me develop as a person. And it's going to help me develop my skills. And then when the group started, I went, well, I can I can marry these two things together. That's why yeah. when when I was making the character for a Dudak, I was like, I want to write the backstory for him. I just want to write this one story because yeah. this is going to encapsulate him. The way you described your creative writing, it's like you you pull more towards the the open ended questions that really let your imagination fill in the void. 
And and again, you know, D&D really connects that because with character backstories, you obviously get such a limitless possibility to to fill in that void. I mean, you are literally creating this character and you can do whatever you want. I think one of the greatest questions that the DM ever has at their arsenal is the question, what do you do? Because it puts it puts the the onus onto the player's hands that, that this is your time. You can you can do whatever you want. You know, obviously you're gonna have to deal with the consequences of what you do, but <laughs> but you have the power to shape what's about to happen. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. The DM takes those the reins from the the story's chariot and gives them to the players to you know, control them as they wish. And that's when some of the, you know, most uh, enjoyable or even the most terrifying moments can really come about, you know. Absolutely. That may lead that may lead to those epic moments on the battlefield, like what you were first describing, or those very atmospheric moments in the tavern, I think. And that's it's something that just it allows for D D to be a really uh important what's the word I'm looking for here? You you are just the master at that point. I don't know what else to say, but you you are so much in control that you know the world is at your fingertips. It, well, the world's at your fingertips, but at the end of the day, it is still a collaboration. You have yeah. you're you're not the only person at the table. You know, Absolutely. the DM is there, the other players are there, so you can't just obviously like you want to. They say, "What do you do?" But you can't just completely grab the reins and go. Well, we're going this way. Oh, no, no, no. But, I was more talking in more of like a collaborative way. Obvious. I, I should have made that apparent, though. But like, in no ways do I think it's okay for one character to just, you know, derail the entire story, though. Right. But it, it does definitely allow for the party or the players to really take control of the story. So I guess if, if I can, maybe I'll ask you another question. Um, well, means, yeah. And, and I'm asking you this uh, from your viewpoint as a DM. Okay. Uh in the terms of imagination, I guess for a player, okay. when they when they come to you and they say, I have an idea for a character, okay. what sort of stuff do you look for? Like when it, in regards to like the imaginative element, is it how is it do you think of how is it gonna fit in the world? Or is it, you know, Ooh, these are the kind of quest lines that I could I could set up for this. I just I I guess I'm just I'm picking your brain as a player looking to possibly do DM or uh, yeah. DMing. How do you respond to them saying, "I want to play a warforged cleric that you know was found by a, a bunch of dwarves and doesn't really know much about his past." Um. I would say, in my personal opinion, I try to not look for too much when it comes to my players wanting to play certain characters, because at the end of the day, I want them to have the most fun, within reason, obviously, of this the this collaborative story and this campaign that we're trying to do. But I want to let them have as much fun as they want with their characters, because I think that, above all, should be important besides you know being you know respectful to each other and everything else but other than that though i would say what fits most within the setting or the world that you are playing in um because if 
if the DM has created this world that, you know, has no hard science or hard technological advancements, then yeah, a Warforged might seem a bit out of place, but you could, you could, you know, weave the character in by saying uh, he is, you know, a, an ancient prototype or an ancient construct built by a civilization that rose and fell, you know, a millennium ago that was very Atlantis like or anything. So there's, there's avenues for you to explore. I think most ways a character can come into being that may not fit, but also besides that, I mean, you do have to also look for what might be too just unplayable maybe. Cause maybe someone wants to play a, an un, unearthed arcana subclass or a race or anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. that might cause an issue in terms of just the, um, the mechanics of the game. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I've had experiences in both, but at the end of the day, I, I let them do it because it's what they wanted to do. And if it, if a problem arose, what I would do normally is I would just talk to them about how they think would be best to balance things out. And I think it's totally something that a DM should do and a player should even do if they're noticing like if this class or, you know, subclass or race, whatever it is, isn't working out to the fullest extent that they want it to, whether that be they are, you know, constantly being put unconscious or they're not doing enough damage, definitely talk to each other and work out something that, you know, is that happy medium between what the DM will allow and what the player finds to be enjoyable and and is okay with mm-hmm. like i said because at the end of the day to me what matters most is the enjoyment at the table and that respect for each other and yeah. i hope that answered your question a bit though but that's just what i personally look for no i, I think it, i think it makes a lot of sense and i i, I appreciate you giving a, a good answer that i think kind of captures a lot of points and uh actually i, I think i have one more question and Mainly I'm asking this because I kind of have a comment, like a follow-up, like an answer to it, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah. Uh, Since we're on the topic of imagination, we'll run into players who like playing very specific kinds of things. You know, they're they're very, I don't want to say one track, but they have a type and they stick with it. Right. Like, what's a piece of advice that you would give those people to broaden their imagination broaden their horizons oh wow that's actually my my last question i was going to give you so you asking this is perfect so my advice and and granted i don't have a huge history of dnd like i've actually only been dming for roughly three years now but you know i i i am very passionate about it and and what my advice to people who if they are uncomfortable stepping into another role or even just they are apprehensive or that maybe they just don't want to about stepping into another role like that it for one it, it is a very hard thing to do because comfortability is a huge subtext of D&D you know you want everyone to be comfortable in this fantasy imagination game where you're doing character voices you are having these very touching, uh, wonderful moments with each other as human beings, but also as an imaginary character, you know? What I would say to them is, is 
honestly, what I've heard before is just try it out, but take it slow. I don't think they you should, as either the DM or a fellow player to that person, try to be very forceful with them because maybe it's just something that they don't want to do and this is where their comfortability level is. And that, again, what I've mentioned before, but you should really try to respect that. If it's an issue, I think that the DM who is, you know, the, you know, he is the go-to person to look for where these kind of things, I think should step in and say, hey, could we have a discussion about this? And then really try to get on their level as to maybe why it is that they are apprehensive of about creating new characters or, or stepping out of that, that field of comfortability. Because me personally, like I used to be a person like that who was very uh, apprehensive about coming out and experiencing new things, whether it be in real life or in video games. Like, I used to play in in a lot of like the RPGs and stuff. I would play characters who were always the huge, you know, strong guys who could put you down in one hit and everything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to play anything else because I wasn't comfortable. And it, there was many different underlying reasons of why that was, I think, but also it was just because it was fun. It was it was really really fun to play those stereotypical characters and not go apart from that that line. But I, I slowly and very gingerly kind of tiptoed out of that corner and into other roles that, you know, people might know as like DPS or support or whatever they have, you know, it took a while, but you know, there, there is other things out there that is just equally as fun. It's a matter of perspective, I think, in terms of what the, that specific player might find enjoyable or they might find it comfortable and people looking in on that might have a judgmental viewpoint of, oh, they don't want to play this just because, for a myriad of reasons, it could be because someone thinks, oh, they're just not good at playing that uh, other types of characters, or maybe they're just uh, scared to, and they shouldn't be scared, and, and just you know, judgmental thoughts, whatever have you. But I would say, yeah, just take it very slowly, pace yourself. If you are wanting to play other roles, if you are the player wanting to play other roles stuck in a position, then talk to someone. Uh, you know, the players around you are there to ensure that everyone has a good time. You know, not just the DM. It's not just his role. It's everyone's role to make sure that everyone's having a good time. And I would just say, yeah, just do it gingerly. Do it slowly. Um, and if you don't like it, then I don't think it should be a bad, you know, point to say, this is not for me. I just want to play these types of characters. It's what I enjoy. Because at the end of the day, again, it is, I think, more about enjoyment. So I would say that. I, I, I agree completely. And, and I think you and I are on a very similar track. I, I'd say my viewpoint, you know, coming almost from a, a player side, um, obviously, like I said, I'm talking about, you know, the people who I, I played this character, they were raised this way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think the easiest way is obviously you, you take a step by step. I'm not expecting you to go from the the tanky fighter to like a tiefling sorcerer. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to ask you to do that on a dime. But what I think is a, an interesting way, and and my recommendation, my opinion, you know, your mileage may vary, yeah. is I think the easiest place to start with is your your backstory. 
And oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be huge differences. It was, you know, instead of I was raised on the streets and this is why I'm, you know, a grave, grave domain cleric, it's, well, okay, maybe I was raised in a mon, like, you know, raised by a family, you know, we weren't making a whole lot, but we made enough to get by. Yeah. You know, it, it, just that little bit. And then once you, once you're getting more comfortable with, going outside that a bit then it's it's well okay this story is yeah it's it's good for the the grave cleric but what about maybe like a life domain cleric you know it's it's that do the small incremental steps and again yeah. he but but don't don't push yourself too hard obviously you know and don't if you don't feel comfortable you know don't force yourself to feel like you need to do it yeah and just for those people who are like you know what? I play the same thing over and over. I want to try something different, but I'm nervous about doing that. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're more than allowed to be nervous about playing, playing something outside your comfort zone. That's, yeah. it's more than reasonable. Absolutely. Yeah. People in real life, a lot of times don't like doing those exact things. And I don't see how it couldn't or wouldn't transition into a game such as D and D. I don't think there should be any disconnect there of like, oh yeah, well, just because you're shy in real life doesn't mean you're shy and or should be shy in D and D. Like, no, no, no. Those things are like what we've been talking about. Like, there is such a connection, but in your mind, in your imagination, from I think real life and D and D at so many points to where a lot of times you might end up playing a character that is very, very similar to yourself. But then it goes back to how we were talking about how you know you can maybe live vicariously through this character and in a way of stepping out of that comfort zone and into something completely different. It, it does take time, but it is, and it can be rewarding too. I think that's something else we should point out too, is like this can be very rewarding to people who do start to, or who do easily transition from uh, one comfortability level to the next who are, or, you know, stuck in that rut maybe because it can be absolutely rewarding and just super fun too to get a new experience. It's, it's often sometimes the scariest things that are the most rewarding. And yeah. that's, that's something it may sound weird to say like in the, the guise of D and D of D and D is not scary. You know, what, <laughs> what, what does that mean? Trust me, you get the right DM. A and d game can be absolutely terrifying, one. <laughs> and and two, just because it doesn't seem scary on the outside doesn't mean it's going to freak you out on the inside. Like, yeah. there have been so many times that I've, like, sat down for a game and just been like, I have no idea what's about to happen, and I'm already freaking out about it. I love those moments, though, because it's, you know that, it was a good combination, I think, of the dungeon master and the players working together collaboratively to make it to that point, you know, because like we were talking, it's not just up to the DM and it's not up to just one player to control this this story. It takes it takes a village, you know, and getting to those points of terror, as frightening as they may be, is phenomenally wonderful because it I think it just shows that you have such a good connection to everyone. We had a, a moment in at the end of the episode, which at the time of this recording will be released tomorrow. 
at the end, something happens. And while we were recording this, when this moment happened, we were all, it was basically this happened. And then it's like, all right, well, we're, we're going to pick this up next week. And we were just all like screaming, like, what the hell, what is going on? I can't believe you just did this to us. Well, and that next week was just, my mind was racing just everything because I, it was like, I couldn't even work like at my job. I'm like, all right, well, what's, what's the dude going to do when, when this picks up? Like what, what's going to happen? All right. How's he going to react? What is he going to do? And then it was like, and then the next session rolled around and everything just, you know, of course everything went sideways from the beginning (laughs) because you wouldn't expect it to be any other way. But, but that, that, I think if I had played any other character, like if I played the characters that I was kind of used to, like, you know, the magical me self inserts, that moment wouldn't have carried the same kind of tenor that it did. Yeah. Just because of how invested the character had gotten and how much the character had contributed to that moment. And to bring it back to the imagination, it just, once again, shows just how powerful these sorts of games can be on you as a person and your imagination because they are so linked together. It's great. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. That about wraps it up for all the questions I had for you. I would like for you to go ahead and share when and where people can catch your show. Okay. So uh, again, my name is Patch. Uh, I run the social media account, the Twitter account for Discount Dungeons. Uh, We are an actual play, fifth uh, edition podcast set in the homebrew world of our dm's creation our episodes are released uh every other wednesday uh however i will note that we do have a patreon uh if you do end up becoming a patron uh you can get access to the episodes earlier uh you will also get access to special art pieces uh monthly q a's where we answer questions that you guys submit uh lore building and everything and just generally get to talk with us a little bit you have special discord channels but uh, generally, yeah, every other Wednesday, you can find us. We are on pretty much every major uh, podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. Uh, there's a, like a billion that I'm missing. Yeah. Uh, but and, and if you ever have any questions or anything, like reach out to the, the, our Twitter. It's uh, at discount underscore D&D. Uh, I I love interacting with the community. It is amazing. You guys are all fantastic. You do amazing stuff, and we love seeing it, and we love supporting it. So we are here for you guys, and uh, we love you all. (laughs) That's so touching. I love it. Well, uh, listeners, I will be putting plenty of info in the description, so be sure to check that out. But Patch... Thank you so much for being here. I've had a wonderful discussion with you. It's been it's been really really good. It's been really fun. I I enjoyed this so 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 much. And uh, yeah, I think if you ever need somebody to come in and chat again on a different topic, uh, let me know. I definitely would love to come back at some point. I'd love to have you back, man. You're you're great to talk to. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. I will see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest.
Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so that means it's time for shoutouts. I want to give a big shout out to Tim Carr, John Wolf, and Weasel Milfingworth Brimley Elderberry III. Thank you all so much for your support. It means a whole lot to me, and I just want to say again, thank you. Uh, and listeners, if you would like to show some extra support, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash the Ironbound Chest to check out my Patreon. For $2 a month, uh, you can get some cool things like shoutouts and access to my Discord server. And then the higher tiers receive early access to episodes and even the ability to submit a question for my guests. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes as it does help out a great deal. Uh, But thank you all for listening and I'll see you next week.